want to just kind of kick off here. I'm, I'm going to preach to you guys. Yeah, thanks, bro. I appreciate it. I was telling Jenna this week, if you guys don't know Jenna, Jenna, just raise your hand real quick. There's Jenna Whistler. She's amazing. We love her. She's, she's incredible. Um, does a lot of amazing things in the city of Nashville. And uh, you guys don't know this, but we've been working behind the scenes trying to figure out how to package a program, a ministry program for the city, because we've been thinking, let's start this campaign called I Love My City, and let's go out and just do something practical for the city of Nashville to make it more beautiful. How many of you guys are cool with that? That's, that's pretty cool, right? I think that's going to be fun. Like, what can we do? And, you know, we've come up with a couple of ideas, mostly spearheaded by Jenna, that are amazing. And this week I was reading Ezekiel chapter 36 about God, how God loves to restore people's homes and their homeland. And I, I was sharing that with Tamara as well. We, Allison and I had lunch with Tamara. And we were just talking about how God has a passion um, to restore uh, and rebuild cities. And when I was reading that, I felt like God spoke to me. And he said, Pastor, you guys wouldn't believe Jesus would say something like that to me, huh? But he, but he framed it up, Pastor, I've given you a heart for the house, but now I want to give you a heart for the city. Amen? So we, we were talking, and I'm like, man, we have all these good ideas, but are they God ideas? Because you can get more done in 20 seconds in the anointing than you can in 20 years of slaving away without a word. And so we're, we're like, man, what do we do, Jenna? How do we respond? Like, I, I, I'm feeling this. She said, I'm feeling this. And so we're thinking, like, instead of having the first campaign, maybe we should just have a prayer service, you know, and just say, God, what do you want to do in East Nashville? What do you want to do in North Nashville? What do you want to do in West Nashville? What do you want to do right here? I don't even know our neighbors. And I feel convicted by that personally. I don't, I don't know who lives there. Yeah. I've talked to a few people here, and I, lo I love being here, you guys. But I'm like, there's something more. Because yeah. this is awesome. Like, what we do here is amazing. The experience that we all have together on Sunday evening is awesome. But how many of you guys know that God never called the sinner to go to church? He called the church to go to the sinner. So we can keep inviting and we can do all that stuff and we will do that stuff. We got invite cards at the Connect Bar if you want to invite some friends. But, you know, this whole thing about going, you know, dude, there's a word on it right now, man. I'm telling you, Pokemon Go. It's a prophetic declaration in culture. Dude, I'm serious, bro. I downloaded it this week because I keep seeing people like walk around with it and I'm like that I've never seen that and I download it I'm I think it's like I feel like it's like no it's a prophetic word for culture man it's time to go right it's time to get up off the couch that's I, I'm just my thought okay I I felt like man this is God how many of you guys know that what happens in the natural it mirrors what's going on in the spiritual right yeah and so, like, I, I even saw a billboard. It was a Church of Christ billboard. It was almost our exact logo from two years ago's Go Conference. Yep. Did you guys see that? It said, Church of Christ, go. Yep. Right? And I'm like, see? It's another prophetic word. And right now, there's not even been a whole lot of people registered for the conference, like, just to be real, which has been confusing because I'm like, this is an amazing conference. Yep. But I know it's because there's breakthrough on it. I know there's something on it. There are people who are going to get commissioned there. 
as world changers, as missionaries. People are going to be set on fire to go. So, so that, there's that. Yeah, so I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> yeah, so there's so many tidbits. It's like a buffet. Man, y'all, I love you. Man, I love you guys. Thank you. So, I want to start a series tonight called Relation Fit, all right? So, the whole series is about becoming relationally strong. And if you're wondering what that trademark thing is, we did not trademark the sermon series. I looked at the CrossFit logo, and I got inspired because I do CrossFit, and I have to interject that in every message so that you're reminded. You know what I'm saying? I know I need to bring it back. I heard somebody say the other day, they said, you know, if a CrossFitter is also a vegan, how do they decide what to talk about first? Because <laughs> you, if you met somebody that does CrossFit, you know. Like, it's like first 10 minutes, like at my box. And you're like... So anyways, if I'm telling the truth, can I hear you just say amen? Okay, all right. So we're going to start this series, right? It's called Relation Fit. And um, as we do, I want to tell you how we arrived at this sermon series, because we really feel like it's God to talk about relationships for the next few weeks. We're going to have Alan and AJ Jones with us in a few weeks from Grace Center. They're going to be talking about boundaries and some other stuff. It's going to be awesome. We're also going to have my parents here. We're going to do a panel with them, a little live Q&A, talking about family and, you know, relationships. And for us, we really started on the foundation of family and relationships five years ago. As I mentioned, September 11th is going to be our five-year anniversary. We started with a conference and then became a house church. And um, as we launched, there's a few of you here who were around at that time. We launched as a house church, but most people would not say that we were a church. In fact, they would say the opposite. They would run from that word. They would say, oh, no, we're just a ministry we're just a prayer night. We're just, a, you know, we get together and worship a group of friends. And that's because so many of the people who were a part of our family initially were people who were done with church. You know, they had checked out. And that's because they were tired of a system. They were tired of an organization. And they were hungry for what they really needed, which was family. And so in the beginning, when I heard all these people saying this stuff, I was afraid because in my heart, I wanted to be a church. Just to be honest, I'm like, no, I want to be a church. I love church. You know, I'm a PK, uh, grew up taking naps under the pew. I love church. I like the lights. I love a bunch of people. I love loud music. I just like that. I just think it's really fun. And so in my heart, I was like, well, I guess I just won't say anything about us being a church because it's not important that I tell them at this point in time, that this is probably going to become a church. It's more important that people find safety and they find a place where they can belong, where they can connect, and where they can just be. Who cares what you call it, right? And so that's what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, well, let's just, let's kick off with this. Let's go for this. And um, we started a declaration. Some of you guys will remember this. It goes like this. We're not just a ministry. 
we're a family. See, some of you guys know that. Let's try it all together. We're not just a ministry. We're a family. And so we started to say that. And after about a few months, people started walking in to the house church and they would say, man, this feels like a family in here. And we were like, really? And I remember God speaking to me. He said, yeah, you've been making that declaration. How long did you think it was going to take? I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah, declarations work. And so we just kept making the declaration. We're a family, we're a family, we're a family. And then there were some people who would come in and they'd stay about 15 minutes and they'd hear us make that declaration, turn around and walk right out the door. Because they'd say, this ain't a family, man. This is not a family. This is a group of cliques. I ain't cool with this place. This is not a family. Y'all got it all wrong, right? And so this declaration started to haunt me, to be honest with you. I actually despised that we made this declaration and I shelved it. I was like, nobody say that. No, no, if you're on the microphone, don't say that declaration. Just declare churchy things, like plenty of volunteers, you know, like plenty of offering. We declare we have plenty of money. You know what I'm saying? Start to, we need a building, you know, like. I'm, hey, can I be real with y'all tonight? So I'm like, okay, this declaration's starting to haunt me. And, you know, we had these people come in, and some people say, it's a family, this is great. Other people say, this ain't a family, I'm out, right? And what I realized was is that everybody has a different family experience. And so when they hear family, some people are, are hearing love and protection and loyalty. But then other people are hearing family, and they're thinking control, manipulation, and abuse. I got to run from this place. So one of the things that we want to do throughout this series together is just explore what God's definition is for family in the kingdom of God, because we really want to go after that as a church. And just recently, I felt that declaration, my wife and I have been talking, I felt that declaration resurface in a powerful way to say, no, we are a family. Let's declare this. Let's declare that people who are a part of what God is doing here have a family connection with each other. That it's not just, oh, there's that dude that I go to church with, but we look over and we say, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's a mama in the spirit to me. That's a father. You know, that's, that's my pastors. It's my leaders, right? Those things, those things are not easy to come by. You know, initially, it was funny. We'd go out with our friends, and they, we'd, we'd meet, you know, somebody, and, and they'd say, hey, yeah, this is Lyle. He, he pastors at the church I go to, you know? And so I, I always took notice of that. I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, I'm the pastor at the church they go to, but not necessarily their pastor yet. And then when we had kids, I noticed people were like, here's my pastor. I'm like, man, there's something about that fathering anointing, right, going on here. People felt more comfortable. They're like, yeah, you've earned it at this point. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is I really do believe that that's what God's trying to raise up is not just, you know, disciples, but disciplers, not just sons and daughters, but moms and dads. Our goal for you is not that you would pledge allegiance, you know, to our church and submit to our leadership, but that you would grow as a mom and dad of your own and disciple people and build your own family and build your own homes right? Plant your own churches. Hello? All right? Why not? So family's on our radar, man. We, we've been praying about it. We've been talking about it. And uh, we want to pursue it as we talk about becoming relationally 
strong because if you're going to stay in a family, you're going to have to have tools and you're going to have to make strong choices to remain as a part of that family. Amen? So when we're born, we're born into a family. You guys all know this, right? You don't get to pick your mom and dad. Some of you guys are like, man, I wish I would have got to pick my brother, my sister. Can't stand them, right? But most of us, you know, we all have siblings. And we don't get to pick the family that we're born into. We don't get to choose our brothers and sisters. We're simply born into it. And guys, it is the exact same when we're born again. When we get born again, we are born into a family. That family is called the church. Just can I get two good amens on that point right there. In 1 Timothy 3 and 15, God's word version says, God's family is the church. It's pretty good, pretty clear. And this, in this family, Jesus is the head of the church, and we have brothers and we have sisters, but here's the thing. Same thing about our natural family. We don't get to pick our brothers and our sisters, right? We're just born into this family. We're born again. Yeah, we get to pick, you know, the, the local church that we're a part of, but we can't do anything about being a part of the church, the universal church of Jesus Christ, right? We don't get to pick those things. We're just born into them. And it's important that if we're going to remain in the family of God, if we're going to stay where God has called us to be, which is in family, we've got to learn how to do life with our family. We've got to learn how to be strong relationally so that we can remain connected even when we have conflict. Because I don't know how many of you guys grew up in a perfect household, but... You have a lot of conflict growing up with your brothers and your sisters and your mama and your dad and your grandparents and aunties and uncles, but you remain connected. Why? Not because of your, not because of your choice when you are a kid, but because of the dynamic of being born into that family. Then as you get, as you get older, you obviously have to make that choice and you have to develop tools to stay connected. So that's the point. That's the point of this, of this sermon series. We want uh, our community to have healthy relationships. We want our community to stay connected to one another. We want our community to be relationally strong. And, and, and most importantly, we want our community to choose each other. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're a, when you're a kid, you don't have to choose your family. But the older you get as you mature, the more you have to choose. You guys with me, all right? All right, so let me say this. Um, do you guys know why people stay at a church or remain as a part of a community? Friends. I heard this story the other day. Um, this guy was talking to a friend of his about his church, and he said, um, you know, how's your church, man? He said, it's terrible. He said, what? Yeah, it's terrible. Well, what's so bad about it? He said, man, the preaching is the worst. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's real bad. Man, so, I mean, like, how's the worship? Even worse. <sighs> Dude, can't stand it. He said, man, that's a, that's a big bummer. He said, yeah, you wouldn't believe the board members there. They can't get anything sorted through. Everything in this church is bad. And he said, how long you been going? Oh, years. He said, how long has it been like that? Years. 
Well, why don't you leave, man? Well, I got friends there. Some of my best friends go there. And so the guy says, you mean to tell me that your preaching is horrible, the worship is horrible, the board members can't get anything sorted out, it's all political and religious, and yet you're staying there because you got a few friends. Yep, that's what I'm telling you. See, the reality is that friendship sustains family. Think about it. Friendship sustains family. Now, when I was born into my family, when I was, I'm a Phillips, when I was born into my family as a kid, my dad used to discipline me. He spanked my butt, all right? That's what he did. He told me what to do. He told me when to go to sleep. He told me when to eat breakfast. No caller ID. I just got one too. Really? What's the Lord saying? Right? <laughs> Mysteries calling. Anyways, so my pops, right, disciplined me. He told me when to go to sleep, told me when to get up. My mom, you know, she bathed me, she cooked for me, she did all these things, right? And so as I grow older, now I'm 31 years old, my dad doesn't spank me anymore, right? Thankfully, thank God. My dad don't discipline me. Anymore, He gives me feedback, but he doesn't discipline me. My mom, thankfully, doesn't bathe me anymore, right? You know why? Because it's not just about the system and the structure of family that I was born into. I actually now have a friendship with my parents. And so there, there comes a time when you have to grow from the structure of family into friendship with one another, and friendship is then what sustains family, Right? You guys with me? So the reason why I'm connected to my family today is not because they tell me what to do, but because I've developed a friendship with them. You guys with me? So at some point in time, for all of you parents in here, you're not just raising a kid, you're raising an adult who that one day you're gonna want to be friends with because that's actually what's gonna sustain your connection, not your authority in their life. All right, anyway, I don't know if I'm qualified to make that statement, but can I read a scripture to you guys? You guys doing all right? You guys learn anything yet? Okay, I'm gonna read a scripture to you guys. This comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. If you have your Bible, you might wanna open it up. If not, that's fine. I only have one verse of scripture. So um, I, I was tempted to read like the whole thing in context, but I just felt like this specific scripture and then... Um, there are a few after, after that that I'll, that I'll dive into, but I'm just going to read John 15 and 15, all right? So John 15 and 15 ESV says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Amen. So here's why I'm going to speak from this uh, topic tonight. If we're going to talk about being strong relationally, we have to first examine our relationship with God because our relationship with God influences all of our other relationships in life. 
When we have a strong relationship with God, we can then have strong relationships in our life. Amen? And so in order to have a strong relationship with God, we need to look a little further into what God declares is a good relationship with God. Amen? How many of you guys know that it's a good idea to let God define things for you? Amen? Amen? Dude, total sidebar, but I have to say it. This last week I got so convicted because I was talking about how much fun I used to have when I lived in sin. Sidebar. I was like, man, wasn't it so fun? We used to go out clubbing. I used to get so drunk. Man, we had so much fun. And God said, who gave you that definition of fun? So I'm like, oh, that was fun. That was fun. That was fun. He said, that ain't my definition of fun. That's a definition that you borrowed from the world. He said, you can have a whole lot of fun and do a whole lot of damage to your soul. So you better be careful who you let define fun for you because you're confused if you think that's fun and you're actually operating on an inferior definition of what's actually fun. If you want to know what fun is, come ask me about fun and I'll reveal to you fun that you never even thought was possible. Life begins when you surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's fun. So that was a sidebar. So what is a good sidebar? Pastor Ricky, sorry. Okay, here we go. So that's why we're starting here, because it's important that we understand how God feels about relationship, how Jesus feels about his relationship with you. Can I say this? And, and, and I just want you to turn to your neighbor and say it to them. God wants to be friends with you. Now look at the person on the other side. Say, God wants to be friends with you. <laughs> Here's the deal, guys. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them for friendship. Did he not? He created them for friendship. He placed them in a garden called Eden, which means paradise, right? He created them for friendship. And what we have to understand is that God's goal for relationship with us is friendship with us. Okay, God's goal is not to make you his subordinate. God's goal is to make you his friend. You guys with this so far? So we have to understand God's goal for relationship if we're gonna be relationally strong. Because if we can take God's goal for relationship and impart it into our relationships and make it our goal in relationships, we'll become relationally strong. So what's God's goal for relationship? You guys got it? Come on. What's God's goal for relationship? Come on. So God wants more than just loyalty and obedience. He wants a mutual connection. He wants a real friendship. Let me go deeper. So what does it mean to be friends with God? Because I know there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of teaching, a lot of thoughts. What does it mean to be friends with God? Let me say this. To be friends with God means more than inviting God into your life. To be friends with God looks like accepting God's invitation to be a part of his life. You guys with me? 
When you, get sa- when, you, when you got saved, you didn't just invite God into your life, okay? It was actually more than that. You were invited into his. God's not just a part of your life. The reality is that you're a part of God's life now. That's friendship with God. When God's no longer just a portion, well, he's a part, you know, it's what I do on Sunday. But you become a part of his life. That's friendship with God. That's what friendship with God looks like. Now, what can we learn from John chapter 15, 15 about God's goal for relationship? How does Jesus do relationship? How does God do relationship? Well, here's the first thing that Jesus says in John 15, 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants. That's the first thing Jesus says. You know what this means? It means that God does not want to control you. I'm going to push out here into some, it's kind of some deep waters, okay? Because it, it, it goes against the grain of our religiosity. Because if, if we roll with religion, we'll see God as this figure in the sky that wants to get us under his thumb and make us submit to his commandments, which is why so many people are afraid to pray for fear of what God may ask them to do. If you're afraid to pray because of what God might ask you to do, then your depiction of the Father is incorrect. I can't pray. Right? Because God actually doesn't want to control you. He, he says it plainly here. No longer do I call you servants. Guys, hear this. God is not trying to boss you around. God is not trying to take from you, all of your time and your money. God is not trying to rule you as a dictator. Guys, God does not need to be in control of you to be friends with you. Think about it. God does not need to control you to be friends with you. He took a great risk created you and endowed you with radical freedom. His goal was not control. His goal was friendship. Come on. Some people only feel comfortable in relationships that they can control. They need to be the leader. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's an addiction to power. God doesn't need us to make him feel powerful. He already knows how powerful he is. He's so secure in his identity that he doesn't need to control you in order to be friends with you. Is this good? You getting something from it? Come on. God is not power hungry. His goal is friendship and not oppression. All right, here's the next thing that Jesus says. Number two, if you're writing it down, write down number one. God does not want to control you. Number two says, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Here's number two. God is not trying to manipulate you. God, this is going to be breakthrough. 
for some of us. God is not trying to manipulate you. Let me say this. God does not have a hidden agenda with you. He's not trying to get you to some point of relationship and then release this scary word. Are you devoted enough now? Missionary. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, God doesn't have a carrot out, okay, hanging over like, if I can just get him this far, gotcha. Right? But sometimes we relate to God like that. We're like, if I say yes to that, what's he going to ask for next? Hey, dude, truth bombs, man. That's the truth. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to be responsible for what I read. If I hear it, whew, may have to do something about it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. So it's better I just don't read it. I'm getting in y'all's pockets, ain't I? You know, some people out there have motives for relationship, right? That's not called friendship. That's called networking. When you connect with somebody because of what you can get from them, you're not doing relationship. You're doing networking. And that's not kingdom. I'm not saying it can't be kingdom business, but that's not God's goal for your relationship is that you would simply network with that person in a transactional relationship for what you can get from them. Rather, he's trying to let you see them through the lens of Christ so that you can see them as an object of his desire, as a heart of his desire, and say, friendship is what we're after here. Not because I can get something from you, but because I wanna give something to you because I'm connected to Jesus. So uh, there are so many people who view relationships as transactional. They say, if I do this for that person, then, then in the future, I can ask them, and they'll do that for me, you know? Hey, I'm coming, I'm announcing something, man. Can you post it on your Instagram? You, you, you guys with me? I'm doing a show. I need to connect with that person because I know they have a connection with Taylor Swift. It got too real, obviously, you know? You guys, you guys get what I'm saying? I better, I better connect with that person because that, you know, that person knows some famous people. That person has 40,000 Instagram followers. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I see on your Instagram, life is just not good, but what's up? Am, am I being too real with you guys? But when we, have, when we have a motivation attached, see, there's some people who will only do relationship with people who can bless them. But see, God doesn't need your blessing. He wants it, but only because it's you who's giving it. And you say, hey, listen, I don't need to manipulate you. I'm not in this for what I can get from you. I came to seek you, and to serve you. Look at the cross. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Hey, look, God has no interest in networking with you to meet his kingdom goals. Hey, you do a little bit for me, man, I'll bless you. You know, evangelize a little bit, you'll get this. 
you know, go talk to that person. I'll give you that. God's not trying to network with you to advance his kingdom agenda. He's trying to have a friendship with you. He's capable of advancing his kingdom all by himself. That whole idea, it just gives way to so much pride. Well, God needs me. No, God wants you. And that should set you free. Here's the fourth one. Oh, what am I thinking? Third one. Y'all ain't gonna let me miss. Like, hey, hey, I want that third. Right? Okay, here's the third one. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made, made known to you. Here's the third one. God is not holding out on you. If you wanna know what God's thinking, it has freely been made available to you through friendship. If you don't know what God has to say in the moment, just appeal to your friendship with him. He's faithful to speak. It says in the word that he's not gonna give you a stone when you ask for bread. When you need nourishment, God knows how to feed you. A lot of times, it's not a clarity problem. It's a friendship problem. I don't have any discernment. Well, don't, don't worry about the gift of the Spirit right now. Worry about friendship with God, you know? You guys with me on that? You see what I'm saying? It's in friendship that the gifts manifest. He said that he is the vine and that we are the branches. That's where the fruit is. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. God is not keeping secrets from you. Can I just declare that? God's not keeping secrets from you. God's not leading you on. God's goal is plain. It's friendship. There are several times in the Gospels, Jesus talks about all things being made known. Did you guys know that in heaven there are no secrets? And we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. God's not keeping any secrets from you. He reveals the fullness of his plans for you. But they're found in friendship. Number four. And this is, I think it's verse 16. I didn't write it down. Forgive me for that. Um, but he says, Jesus says, I, or excuse, excuse me, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So, so here's, here's point four. God chooses you. This is how God does relationship, guys. God chooses you. Do you know that before Jesus, every teacher invited people to come and to hear them teach? They would, you know, they would set up somewhere in a synagogue or on a stage, and they would invite people to follow them. They would say, hey, if you want me to disciple you, then, hey, I'm going to be here. 4 p.m. on Sunday, come listen to the word, right? Jesus was the first teacher. He was the first rabbi to go and choose his followers. I might even, might even say it like this. He was the first to go and choose his friends because that was his goal. He was unlike every teacher before him. He didn't just wait for people to come to him but he went straight to them. And he says, 
I choose you. You know, no one chose Jesus for you. A lot of people think that because maybe you were born into a Christian home. You were, you were drugged by the arm to Sunday school, right? You were forced to go to church, right? And so you think, well, you know, I'm just a Christian because my parents, you know, brought me to church. That's not true. You're a Christian because Jesus chose you. Not just because somebody brought you to church. Not just because your parents prayed over you when you were a kid. You are a Christian. You believe in Jesus. You are a disciple because Jesus came to you. And he said, you, I want you. It's not about a religious contract. It's not about you joining an organization. It's like, no, no, I want you. That's Jesus' heart for relationship. Here's the thing, guys. When you're at your worst, God's goal stays the same. When you're in your worst case scenario, God's goal is still friendship with you. When you don't look anything like who you know he's called you to be, his goal doesn't change. It remains friendship. God couldn't be friends with me. I'm not even worthy enough to walk in a church right now. Nope, he said goal doesn't change. The goal is friendship and I chose you and I'm not going back on my covenant. Look at my cross. How much did it cost Jesus? Question, how much? Everything. Do we all agree on that? How much did it cost Jesus? Everything. But did you know that the price that Jesus paid on the cross determined the value of the people he purchased? Let me say it again. The price that Jesus paid on the cross determined the value of the people that he purchased. You were so valuable that the only thing that could purchase your friendship was his own blood. Anytime you have an inclination to doubt your self-worth, you don't have to look at all the good things you've got going on and place confidence in those. You can look at the cross and the blood of Jesus and put your confidence in the blood of Jesus and you can declare, I am valuable, not because of what I got going on in my life, but because of the blood of Jesus, the spotless, the sinless blood of Jesus. I am valuable. I am somebody, not because... Anybody has anything to say about it, but because the blood speaks a better word, that the blood of Jesus declares that I'm valuable, that the cross determines the level and measure of my freedom, of my sinlessness, of my redemption. Jesus said, I want to be friends with you so bad that I went to the cross. I wanted to proclaim to you your worth So much that I robed myself in flesh, came down and went to the cross so that you could see how valuable you are to God. The cross prophesies your value. Wasn't cash money, wasn't dollars, it wasn't gold, it wasn't cents, it wasn't stocks, it wasn't bonds, it was blood. 
That's how valuable you are. That's how much you're worth. God looks at rubies, he looks at gemstones, and he looks at diamonds. And all of those things he pushes aside to get to you. Because you're worth so much more. Last point. These things I command you so that you will love one another. God gives us love for one another. You know, ever think about, there's no way that I can love like Jesus. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to in your own strength because it's not your love that you're gonna give away. But the love of Jesus that you receive by a friendship. If you don't have enough love for your coworkers, you know, it's a friendship issue, not a, man, that person really gets on my nerves issue. You know, God gives us commands because he says this right here. These things I command you, right? God gives us commands not to control, but to contribute because his role in the family is father. God gives us commands not to control, but to contribute. And you know, as we're friends with him, we start to learn his ways. And Brian, if you want to come and play for me, man, I'm going to close up. How many of you guys ever hung out with somebody and they just blew your mind at how they did life? In a good way, right? You're just like, wow. The way that guy does life is just amazing. I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't even know you could parent like that. I didn't even know you could run your business like that. I didn't know you could pray like that. I didn't know you could study or read the word like that. You guys know what I'm talking about. You see somebody, you connect with somebody, you're thinking, I didn't even know that life was possible. But then the more you hang out with them, what happens? You start to become like them, right? You start to steward your business in the same way they're stewarding theirs. You hear them share stories of the way they do life. You're like, that's inspirational. That's powerful. And then you start doing the same thing, right? See, that's how, that's how it works with Jesus as well. Because the more connected to God I am, the more connected to you I can become. The more I abide in friendship with God, the more connected we can all be with one another. The more you abide in friendship with God, the more connected you can be to other people. And so as we look at God, as we're in friendship with God, his love becomes our love to give away. And as we hang around love, we have love to give. The more time we spend with God, the more we take on his goal for our relationships, which is friendship. Here's the last thing I wanna say, guys, is that the goal of discipleship is friendship. If you're discipling somebody in your life right now and your whole goal is to get them to submit to you, you're not doing discipleship like Jesus. Because it's not about control, it's about friendship. God's end goal was to be friends. Forever. BFFs. Throughout all of eternity. And so could I just declare that you got, to you guys today As a church, our goal is to not to take from you. Not to get you to give us everything that you've got so that we can build 
some sort of empire or something. Can I just declare to you guys today that our goal as a church is to be a family that is sustained by friendship because we're friends with each other. God never called us to be friends with ideal people. He called us to be friends with real people. So when you look across the room and you see somebody who's different, you say, man, that, you know, I don't think that person's cool. God called you to be friends with that person. God hasn't called you to be friends with ideal people. He's called you to be friends with real people. We cannot be hipster enough for anybody, okay? We, can, we can't do all the right things for everybody, but what we can do is we can declare, hey, this is God's goal for family, friendship, that we become friends. You guys with that? Awesome. Stand up, please. Just want to pray over you. I just pray that tonight that you were enriched by the, the service, the meeting, all together, from, from the beginning to the end. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness towards us tonight. We thank you for a revelation of your goal for relationship, with this, which is friendship. God, if we've seen you in a wrong light, Lord, we just ask you, correct our lens, God. Give us a paradigm shift. Teach us tonight, solidify in our hearts tonight that your goal for us is friendship. It's not allegiance. It's not even obedience, God, but it's friendship. It's a little adage I read this week that said, a prophet wasn't a prophet until he had argued with God. God's not looking for your blind submission. He's looking for your friendship. Because out of every God that exists out there, all the little G's in every other religion, our God is the only God that welcomes an argument. And in fact, in the Bible, seems to get more pleasure from letting you have your way than he does pushing you to take his. That's God. He's waiting for you to argue with him. He wants your friendship more than he wants your blind allegiance. Some of you guys in here tonight, if you've been confused at all, if you felt confused and said, I can't trust God. I don't know what he's doing with my life. It's time to have the, a come to Jesus meeting, as we call it. And say, God, I don't know what you're doing. In fact, I don't even like it. Can we be real? You can talk like that to God. He's not intimidated. Somebody said, a man is most like himself when he's screaming at God. Some of you guys need to be released to just have a scream match with God tonight. Tell him about your frustrations. Tell him about your pain. Tell him about your hurt. Tell him about your misunderstanding. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for the real, raw, messy you. Because he doesn't reject you when you're in your mess. He brings you closer into friendship with him. That's what this whole night is about, guys. Is that that is what God wants from you in your life with him. And that's the foundation and the precedence for everything that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. We're going after friendship. We're going after being relationally strong. We're going after doing this thing the way Jesus is doing it. So God, we just speak blessing over the family tonight. And we thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness and your friendship toward us, God. Is that even when we were sinners, that you died for us so that we could be your friend. 
God, let us have conversations with you this week. Not religious ones, not, you know, not anything with a, you know, some type of formula, but let us have real conversations in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Diana's here to dismiss. Wow, right? Wow. I feel like parts of my heart are just warm and they haven't been warm in a while. Like, that was so real. That was so good. Thank you. Can we just give Lyle a a round of applause and Pastor Ricky just for what, what they fought for, what they delivered to our doorstep today? Like, man, um, yeah, so good. So, um, we're going to release you guys now, but we're also going to bring the ministry teams forward. So if, if, um, you would like any prayer, um, if you want, you need someone to stand beside you and, and empower you to, to say yes to your yes, um, to, um, just love you for a moment, whatever it is, whether you need someone to celebrate with you, have a testimony, you want to share it, or um, just pray alongside you. We have these, the ministry team here, they have badges. We, um, we love them. We trust them. And so we have ministry team here in the, for, in the front. And don't forget this Wednesday is House Church. It's a great place to get friendship and intimacy and connection with God in the midweek. So we love you. We bless you in Jesus name. Uh, and don't forget to leave your volunteer card that we talked about about Go Conference in the box, in the connect box outside. At the connect bar. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.